again, we'll sing 604. Number 604. Let's stand and sing. It's a grand thing to be a Christian. Amen. And we'll sing this one twice through. It's a chorus. Number 604. send a prayer request in for our service at 1.30 today. You can still do that, but you'll have to hand the card directly to Pastor or I. Uh, although we would prefer, if you could, go to cbcyeg.ca slash pray, and you can fill out the form online there. That'll help us out. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Vossi to come up quickly. And Brother Vossi is going to do a couple things. She's going to be uh, talking about the next Alberta Pastors Fellowship, as well as I'm going to ask him to uh, lead in prayer for the service. And I appreciate Brother Vossi. As I mentioned, this is his baby. you got to change the diaper after it's over. And uh, our quarterly meeting here, that uh, and he's going to talk about the next one. But thanks, Brother Vossi. Yeah, so we'll have a two-month-old baby at home, so I'm learning how to change diapers all over again. <laughs> I'll tell you what, my cup is overflowing, amen. This has been wonderful. When I, thought, when I had the vision of getting a few pastors together on a quarterly basis and just encouraging one another, I never thought it would bloom into this. And uh, I'm so thankful for Pastor Rice and Cornerstone Baptist Church and every member who has put in the time and the effort and Brother Wilkerson being willing to come up here and to wow. preach. Um, it's, it's wonderful to know that there are humble men who... They don't look at the size of the group and say, well, I can't come. Amen. And so, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to May 26th, if you mark it in your calendars. When are we giving out the handouts? During lunch. So during lunch, we, I made up a little bit of handout uh, with the QR code that you can scan, and you can register as many people as you want to come. Please register as fast as you can and as many people so that we know ahead of time, because uh, uh, we, we, we still meet in a hotel. Our church, we've been meeting there since 2016, and they have a wonderful restaurant, and uh, Brother Rice said we're going to have a gourmet smorgasbord, <laughs> all right? <laughs> 
So we're gonna have a gourmet uh, buffet lunch, and uh, we need to have the exact. Uh, we have to yeah the tea. It's it's silent though. <laughs> so we're gonna have a gourmet buffet lunch, but we need to have a head count. And uh, we're going to be meeting in the hotel where our church is, and it's going to be a wonderful day. We've got a couple of preachers. Uh, I won't give you the names just yet who's preaching, but uh, they're Alberta boys, and uh, looking forward to having a great time with you all. We'll have a, a again, it's a 10 to 3 uh, p.m. one-day service, though, for Friday, May 26. So when you get those handouts, uh, if you can register as fast as you can, and throughout the next few months, we'll be adding more information as, as time approaches. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for everything that we've been able to hear and to receive and uh, the blessing and the encouragement we've been able to share with one another. Lord, we thank you for the camaraderie amongst uh, Alberta pastors and workers and churches in this, not just in Alberta, but also BC and Saskatchewan and Lord uh, Yukon. We're so thankful for what you've made this. We thank you for the humbleness of uh, each and every man here. And Lord, just talking with one another and getting to know each other better. Uh, Lord, it's an honor for me to be to count myself amongst these great men. Lord, we thank you so much for everything that you've accomplished in uh, the meetings in our hearts. Lord, we look forward with great anticipation to this next hour and the lunch and the rest of the day. Lord, that you would continue to bless our hearts and continue to overflow. As your word says, you daily loadeth us with benefits. And Lord, today has been a great load so far. We ask that you'd continue to bless us, continue to encourage us, and help us to be a blessing to one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand again. We'll sing 573. Number 573, Onward, Christian Soldiers. Amen.
you, but I'm sure glad I got to be in the Lord's army. Amen. And Brother Dan talked about Zacchaeus. Uh, I like that version. I think we should start teaching that in our kids' class. But uh, I love being in the Lord's army. And uh, I love getting to be in the Lord's army because I get to serve him. And I also love being in the Lord's army because I get to serve with you men. And boy, what a privilege that is. Amen. And what an honor uh, that we can serve our Lord together. And he's our commander. He's our chief. Uh, he's the reason that you ought to get out of bed in the morning. He's the reason you ought to tell people about Jesus Christ. He's the reason you ought to live a holy and a pure life. He's the reason we ought to be overseers. And uh, Pastor Wilkerson is going to come in just a moment and uh, talk to us about discipleship. And uh, if I missed, any, of, is there any full-time Christian servant here, uh, pastor, assistant pastor, that I did not get a packet to yet, that I did not give you book discipleship books? If I did not uh, see me after the service, I'll get that to you. I want to make sure I get a copy. Uh, to each one of you men. Thanks for coming. Preacher, if you want to come ahead, and girls, if you want to come. And my girls are going to sing right before Preacher comes to preach uh, this morning, but well, I'm sure excited about it. And uh, Preacher, go as long, go until, I don't know, 2, 3, 4 o'clock. Uh, if he preaches till 3, uh, Jerice, can you eat all the lunch that comes in? Hey, Amen. That's the only thing Jerice has ever volunteered for in his whole life. And uh, go ahead, girls.
you very much. A great, great thought there and how we need to yield ourselves to the Lord, don't we? And not to try to do something for God, but do something with Him and uh, let Him do something through us. Thank you, girls, for that thought this morning. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. And uh, boy, what a great message this morning, Brother Dan. That was very helpful and uh, very causes a lot of of, of great reminders. Someone tell me, I've got a CD here we'll give away real quickly, one of the ones you can take your pick on this, but uh, three CDs, one on this, on the uh, Little Taste of Heaven, Lift Up the Cross, or Songs from the Heart. Someone tell me the three things we find in First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Chapter 5, verse 7, we just now heard the message, so please don't look at me like a calf looking at a new gate, all right? All right, all right, yes, sir. You. You. <laughs> all your cares. Which one do you want, Brother Jeff? All right, you'll enjoy, you'll enjoy that. Thank God you remembered number two. Or that would have been a little embarrassing. I'd have to give it to somebody else. Very good. Very good. Yesterday, Brother Harness preached a tremendous truth to us. He talked about three things in the ministry there, above and beyond our duty. There were three thoughts there. What can we, can someone tell me those three main thoughts real quickly? Yes, sir. The calling, the duty, and the what? Motives. That's right, Pastor. Which one of those you want? Oh, yeah, the hillbilly one. A man after Brother Rice's own heart right there. There we go. Okay. All right. And then the, here's the lift up the cross, and I'll ask you to tell me there are three concepts that everybody needs to understand to be effective in the house of God, in the work of God. And there's three main thoughts there. Anybody have an idea what we're talking about there with that? Yes, sir. All right, that's, those are fantastic. I, I can't not give that to you because those are very, those are out of the Bible, brother. So go ahead, come get these right here. I was thinking about another one, though. <laughs> and the first one is lordship. What was the other two there? Yeah, boys and girls, please raise your hand, would you? Let just I'm just joking. Leadership, what was the other one? Partnership. Yeah, lordship, leadership, partnership. And that's great. Thank you so much for letting me join you today. I'm so glad to be with you. appreciate the opportunity to share and be a small extension of, of Pastor Rice and this Alberta Fellowship to others throughout the country of Canada and very, very humbling to be with you. And I'm learning things, and Linda and I have been so blessed by your partnership and uh, by your friendship. And I pray that God will make us great friends. Always oh, serve the Lord in different regions of the world. I'm looking forward to being with Jesus one day. And I'm looking forward to whenever God sends his son back to get us. But in the meantime, I sure would like to be uh, successful in serving the Lord with him. First uh, Peter chapter 5. And uh, let's look at verse number 1 and 2. And Pastor Jason, would you mind reading 1 and 2? And then we'll all read 3 and 4 with you. Can we? Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. 
Everyone together, please. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall our Father, please help us as we gather for a few moments and speak about uh, the, the responsibility to not only win the loss, but to help those who are saved to mature and to grow and to present them one day perfect or complete in Christ, uh, just like you're working on your bride and going to present us one day to the Lord, spotless and, and uh, blameless before God. And, and I pray you would help us, Lord, to do the same thing uh, with you as you're doing a work of grace in the lives of others. Please give me wisdom, and certainly I know that there are just a, there's not a one man that I've met here that's uh, serving Christ in this ministry in this region that I would not love to hear what you have taught them in their personal work. But uh, Lord, you've asked me to share a few thoughts today, and I want to do so with um, with your help. And I'm sure people here want to listen with your help. So please, on both sides of this pulpit, would you work, and would you help us? We ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at a couple other verses before we get started today, and that is 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse number 2, one you're very familiar with. I like uh, what Pastor Crumball said, you never want to be, you know, just bored with uh, the familiar, you know. Sometimes it's the uh, familiar things that that rob us from curiosity but uh, the stories of the Bible, things that we're familiar with. But each of those have something God wants us to tell us today and oftentimes in a fresh way. First Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 2. And uh, look at verse 1 first, if we please. Brother Price, would you mind reading verse 1? We'll read verse 2 with you. Can we do that? Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Everyone together. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses... Of course, Paul is in that Mamertine prison, potentially getting ready to have his head chopped off in a short time. However, he writes this letter to Timothy, and he's kind of miserable. It's the fall is coming on, the cold weather, the cold mornings. He doesn't have his coat. He left his coat uh, with Carpus in, there, in a different place. And he is asking for books to read or the Bible. Would you bring the parchments? Would you bring the Bible? And would you come quickly? And find John Mark, bring him with you. And he tells, only Luke is with me. He said, I went to court the other day, and the Lord delivered me out of the lion. He said, I don't know how long it's going to last till I get here. So, so do your diligence to come before winter. Hurry up and get here. But in the process of that, he gives him a personal challenge where he references his mom and his grandmother, his ordination in chapter 1. Chapter 2, he gives him a practical challenge. He tells him, look, uh, you've got to reproduce. You've got to take the things I've taught you, and you've got to teach them to faithful men who will be able to teach faithful men later on. You've got to reproduce because there's no success without successors. We've got to keep working at this. We've got to keep working at preparing others underneath your ministry. It's not good enough just to win the lost without discipling the saved. Both are vital. You can't have one without the other. But he says, you've got to take the things which you've learned and you've got to pass them on to other people who will pass them on to other people also. I think it's one of the commands that God gave us. Now, he's picking up on what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, I want you to go out and make disciples. 
I want you to make disciplined followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's wonderful to win people to Christ. And I, I want to just say to you, let's all be on soul patrol. We ought to always be on soul patrol all the time looking for someone that God is working in. And be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. I don't think there's just Saturday is a soul winning day. <laughs> okay, It's not just Tuesday night or Thursday night. It's every day. We need to learn to witness in the way. And uh, there's several things I think we can do just to help us with that. Number one, uh, we ought to remind ourselves of how wonderful it is to be saved ourselves. Okay, Because if we don't, we will be barren. And if you get away from the, the joy of being saved and the reminder of being saved, you'll become barren, nearsighted, and fall. That's what, the sec, that's what Second Peter tells us. So we want to make sure we remind ourselves that the joy of being saved. When you got saved at six years old like I was or you got saved at 38 or 40, it's a joy being saved. And we've got to remind ourselves of the joy that comes from being saved. Number two, we ought to pray for the Holy Spirit's fullness on our life because... You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you, and you'll be witnesses. Witnessing is a byproduct of a spirit-filled life. And I'm not always spirit-filled. Quite frankly, you're probably not either. But we need to continue to say, God, please, fill me with your spirit so I can know. Number two, number three, pray for the lost. Pray for people who are not saved that God would save them. Uh, just uh, and pray for the world in general. Pray for the world. But uh, pray for the lost. Pray that God would save them. Names. Learn names in your community. Uh, those folks that you go and do business with. Those people that you interact with. Uh, learn their names and pray for them. Apostle Paul named over 80 names in his uh, 13 books of the New Testament. And they were not easy names. Onesiphorus. Aren't you glad your mother didn't name you that? <laughs> you know, some of the names that he had to do. But he put those names in there. Yesterday, uh, we heard about Archippus and, and uh, the, the thought about him. But lots of people that he named in the scriptures. And I think we need to learn names. And we need to learn them and, and reference them and pray for them and write them down and ask God to save those folks. And once again, it makes you much more sensitive to the loss. Carry gospel tracts. And let them be a, a sign of curiosity. They, they determine someone's curiosity. They open up dialogue, and they go places you can't go. Uh, and God can use them in a special way to help other people come to Christ. I remember standing one day on a train, and, and I was coming from LAX to Long Beach. And I was standing there, and we were, we were just, we just bobbing back and forth. No seats were there, and everybody just shoulder to shoulder. And there's a little lady beside me, and... and uh, and the Lord impressed my heart to give her a track. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll do that. But, man, we just were just, it was, we were just bobbing and just, I had my briefcase down there. And, I, and finally, I took a gospel track out and I, I took it uh, from my pocket and I said, here, ma'am, I'd like to give you a gospel track. This tells you about Christ. And she said, that's it. I thought, oh, man, right here in the train. That train, she's going to blow up and it's going to be a gasket blown and everybody's going to be, you know, I was like, Lord, why would you want me to give it to her? You know, but she goes, that's it. Where's your church, and what time does it start? <laughs> he said, I don't know how many times someone's tried to give me an invitation to this church. He said, but where is it, and what time is it? I'll be there Sunday. 
And her name was Marilyn. And uh, Marilyn came. God saved her. She became a secretary for my Sunday school class and, and just became a great little Christian. She lived off, a, off the alley into just a little, little small little duplex there. And I got over to see her, and she came, and she came. And, and the Lord made her a sweet Christian uh, as a result of, that's it. I thought, oh, boy. And then that shocked me. He said, all right, what time is it? Where's it go? Something's going on. I'm supposed to be at your church. What time does it start? I'll be there Sunday. And she came, and that was a wonderful a wonderful thing. But carry gospel tracts. You never know what uh, God is doing when, when you do that and, and uh, get you in, engaged in conversations. I would say this and also is just to keep a list of people that you're asking God to save and keep praying for them. Some of you might pray for him a long time. I remember leading a man to Christ. It was nine years from the time I, I witnessed to him until he came to know Christ. I went through the gospel clearly three times. One time I was at my house, and he said, you got a lot of nerve, bud. Joanne, let's get out of here. And he, he's, he closed my Bible. It was actually this very Bible. He closed it, said, don't you ever do that to me again. I'm out of here. He walked out. I thought, well, that, was, that happened. But kind of warmed up in a while, and then one day I went to it again. I had the nerve to do it again. And, and he said, you know, if that's true, my mother's going to hell. Do you know that? Because she travels all over to go to this saint and give homage to this saint. And she said, if that's true, my mother, if my mother's going to hell, why, why should I be interested in going to heaven? I said, well, there's a lot more reasons than that. But, but he said, you know, I just not want to talk about it. And then it was interesting my wife came to me one day. She goes, John, and he was a hard work. He's still a hardworking guy. He's a great. He sends me pictures from, from his work. He does rebar and does in these high buildings, and, and they put the the uh, cre the uh, cement on it. And oh, he just he's very talented and very skilled. His hands are like shaking a, a baseball glove or something. You know, he's just very very strong hands. And he just uh, he's a small guy. He's married to a Scandinavian lady who's about six foot two, and he's about five foot eight. You know, and but he's just he's just strong as an ox. But Linda said, you know what? And he, he got laid off. And he's always had money, and he comes from a wealthy family. But but um, he was just dropping his wife off at church because she had gotten saved, and he would just go play soccer with his friends or go to the go to go out and eat something and, and go pick her up later and. But one day, Linda said, you know, John, I don't, I think uh, he needs some money. And Joanne said they don't have money for their, their, their mortgage or their rent. And I said, well, how much is it? She goes, $700. I said, I remember, uh, we, had, we had $1,100 in savings at that time. And that's, that's all the money we had in our, except the extra in our, in our house. And she said, uh, I think we ought to help. I said, that's fine, let's do it. Let's call him and tell him, and you know. And I remember him coming over in his Hummer. He had a big old large Hummer and pulled up in front of our house, and you know, and he's, he kind of meandered out. I said, here, man. My wife tells me you need the money. You, we're glad. It's a gift. Don't worry about giving it. No, I'll give it back. I'll give it back. He said, it's hard to believe. I can't get anybody to give me money except for you. <laughs> and uh, my friends at work won't give me money because my soccer friends won't give me money. Just my family's not ready to give me money. It's just I have to get it from you. But he said, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, and I'll get it back to you. You know, anyway, about four months later, he got back to work, and he gave the money back, and it was fine. But then about, about eight months later, one day, he said, hey, I'm saved. 
I said, really? He said, yeah. He says, you know that little little thing you do at the end of your broadcast thing and you give the gospel? He goes, it's the same thing you showed me your house two times, right? I said, yeah, same thing. He goes, well, this time I said yes. And I got saved. And I said, that's great. And what he began to grow in the Lord is so fun. And he said, but you know why I got saved? I said, no, I don't know why you got saved. He goes, $700. <laughs> he said, God used $700, me getting in a low place to to, and you, of all people, give me money. You know, the Bible tells us, make to your friend, make, make to yourself friends with the unrighteous mammon so that when you fail, they'll receive you. Never. Sometimes it's a money. I was witnessing the other day to a Jehovah Witness young man. He's 23 and just got married the, two nights before in the Kingdom Hall in Pittsburgh. And I just met him and, and went through the... I, I, he, I, I knew that he, is, he wouldn't take a track. He didn't want to talk about... My, so I just started asking about his religion, you know. And I found out that I need to work on that. <laughs> I'm not really good at witnessing Jehovah's Witnesses. But I started asking him different questions, you know. And, and about, about what they believed and how they get the hierarchy and why their religion changes. And how, how do you put your so much faith into the... You know, tell me about these elders. Do you know them personally up in New York that kind of help write the watchtowers? And, and how come they change things? And what is this? And I started asking questions, hoping to get his little, you know, mind stirred, you know. And I, I, I knew he would not give a gospel track. They were trained not to take a gospel track. But I, I wrote him a note, and I wrote him a note and sent him a picture of my family. And I, I put our, our, our address and my phone number. If you're ever in Chicago, stop by and see me. And I put the uh, website of the church because I knew it had the gospel presentation on it. And he said, oh, let me give you my website too, jw.org. <laughs> you know, he said, oh, you need to go there. That's really good, you know. And I was thinking, Lord, what can I do? And so I just said, you know what? You got married. Can I just give you $50? I think, you know, at least it'll be a blessing to you on your honeymoon. And he said, wow. So, well, yeah, well, th well, thank you. You know, thank you. That's very kind of you. And I remember getting off the plane and going away, and then all of a sudden he comes coming charging after me, kind of like, saying, hey, 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 John, John, John. He goes, this is my wife, Haley. I wanted you to meet her. We just got married, and thank you for being so kind to me. And I thought to myself, well, maybe one day an unrighteous mammon might cause him to think about uh, the gospel, causing to look at that note and go to a website or hear the gospel again and, and uh, talk to them. And maybe there's other ways. That I'm sure there are better ways to witness. I need to be more, more proficient in that area. But I think sometimes we just, uh, you, we need to stay after souls. Um, every Christian, but especially pastors, we have to have that one-two punch of soul winning and discipleship. Soul winning and discipleship. If you're just doing one, you're going to get beat up, Okay. You have no, you, you got to have that, you got to have both of those. You got to win the loss and disciple your Savior. Now, I don't know exactly the whole balance of that. I, I'm, not, I'm not really good with that, but I, I try to every week try to talk to someone about Christ. And I'm not the greatest example, and I, I, I feel bad. I'm probably telling you illustrations, but I get to live with me. I don't live with anybody else, so I know me better. But I'm just, I tried to sit in the living room last week with Ken and, and Janet and, and go through a, a, a gospel presentation. And Janet got saved as a young lady. Ken got saved uh, just, a, just a while ago. And going through discipleship lessons, and they've got, they're both retired, they got more money than they'll ever spend, but, um, but I started talking about getting to discipleship, and they did that, and, and just, it's wonderful to see the light bulbs go off in them, but at the same time, I can't just do that at the expense of not leading someone else to the Lord, and being interested in someone, so it's a one-two thing, 
And the Spirit of God will help us with that. I think that's, that's it. And I'm not the greatest example. And uh, some of you, you do a much better job and, and, and probably should be doing what I'm doing, uh, trying to explain a few things. I told you the story last night about how it kind of came into fruition. And I, when I went to Long Beach, I, I, we bought those, that, that set of discipleship lessons that I, had, that I had found in the closet there, cleaning out an office in Louisiana. And just started working people through the discipleship. And Linda did it. And, and at the end of 13 years of ministry, we had not done a great job, but we had seen 760 people saved, baptized, and discipled uh, through, uh, through these lessons. And what I found out is the more people understood the Bible, the more they, they knew Christ. You know, I didn't want them to know just what the church thought or what pastor thought. I wanted them to have a relationship with Jesus. Because pastor will tick them off sometimes, you know, and the nursery worker will, you know, say something that will hurt, their, hurt, hurt them about how they take care of their child or, you know, some, their kid might get kicked out of a Christian school. But they, they'll need to know that uh, it's not about that. It's about Christ. And if they get grooted and grounded in the love of Christ, then I think they can, they can endure some of the knocks that Satan gets against them. But it's still a challenge. It's still not, it's not done on spare time and pocket change. Um, but then when I came to First Baptist Church of Hammond, it had been a great soul-winning church, but they did not really have an organized mechanism to disciple new converts apart from getting them to come to church and go to Sunday school. And uh, all that's really good, but I felt like what I felt like I was doing for many years, I was leading someone to Christ, and I pushed them on a bicycle without any handlebars, you know? I'm giving them inertia without the basics, without direction. Uh, and when they go to church and they hear pastors preaching three points on Hannah's cry for a baby, and you know, and they're just like, "That's why you want me to come, John? <laughs> well, I'm a man. I don't even have a baby, you know." And like, no, no, you come back next week. Pastor will be preaching a good message next week, and it'll be a ref- It'll help you, you know. Or he's going on talking about the the book of the Revelation, and they're like, "What's about those toes and everything? I don't know what that is, you know." And I, it's good to hear that, but they need the basics. And they need some, uh, some place in which they can learn the simple things and the, the organizational things of Christianity. And I think that's best done one-on-one uh, with those new believers. And once again, that's time. That's effort. You can't leapfrog time. We know why Jesus came to the earth. He came to earth to seek and to say that which was... He came for one reason, to give his life a ransom for many. That's why he came. We know that. You know, that, that was that, you know, when he got baptized and, and his, his set his face like a flint for Jerusalem because that's where he's going to give his life for our sin. But the second most important thing that Jesus did outside of dying for our sins of the world was training 12. Because he, had he not trained 12, I don't think we'd be sitting here in Edmonton looking at each other today. Had he not got into their hearts, and it wasn't a walk in the park, even for the God-man, Jesus, three and a half years with these 12, they frustrated the fire out of him. He said, I've been with you this long, and you don't know who I am? You know, just the, the, the continual frustrations of, you know, going, after as time goes on, I'm going fishing. After the resurrection, mind you. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go back doing. I'm sure it's like, oh, you're kidding. But he showed up again 
with fish and bread to, to, to discuss and challenge them again. Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. What? Don't call me the devil. Yeah, I do. Get behind me. He said, you're driving me nuts. You, you don't get this. First and second, you know, who's going to be first and second on your right hand, your left hand? I'm sure that just like, guys, you don't get it. This is not what, this is not the question I need at this stage of ministry. I'm going to go to the cross in a couple weeks, and you're talking about first and second, right and left. I mean, come on. And the frustration that he felt, you know, and I'm sure that whenever Jesus said to them, who do men say that I am? They said, well, this and that. And he said, well, who do you think I am? He said, I think you're the Christ. I think Jesus probably winked to the Father and said, finally, there's some progress here. This is, getting, this is getting really ridiculous. I was really nervous about asking that question. But at least somebody gets it. They're getting it. And, of course, they didn't do all that well. They were not necessarily very impressive. But he, the God-man, was trying to get into their hearts. And it was said of those men, these men are ignorant and unlearned men. But they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And uh, I want to I see what I can do as best I can to help people get a fast track to Jesus. Uh, let's look at Colossians chapter 1. Can we turn there, please? Colossians chapter 1. And I, I think probably the pastor's job description is found in verse number 28. Um, I, I, I mean, I, there's lots of things we can learn in this passage, but I think any Christian, it, here's, what, here's, what, here's what Paul said a minister of Christ would do. Number one, whom we preach, warning how many people? Every man. And teaching in all wisdom that we may present perfect in Christ Jesus. And whereunto I also labor according to his working that worketh in me mightily. He said, you know, my goal is to preach the gospel to every man. And then the people that get saved, I want to teach every one of them uh, what they you know, warning every man. And then teaching every man and presenting every man complete or mature in Christ Jesus. And uh, this is our goal I have not done a good job with this, but I'll just, I'm going to share with you what we use. Now, I, I, I heard Brother Scott, your, your father-in-law, is that Brother Sargent? Uh, Brother Prisk. Brother Prisk, okay. Uh, I, I've, I've heard of numbers of discipleship ministries, uh, ABCs of Christian Growth, Reality Living, uh, Help from a Big Brother, 101 Discipleship, um, Continue. I really don't care what you use. It doesn't, you know, this, I'm not here trying to sell books. Um, what I am trying to do is to stimulate uh, some sort of a lifetime of working with people one-on-one -on -one more effectively. And uh, we have, uh, if I start out, and I'll tell you this in a few minutes, I understand that everyone's going to make the journey with me. You'll have to put your big boy britches on and understand that quick. You have to have the height of a rhinoceros and the heart of a child to disciple people effectively because not everybody's going to go. I mean, even Jesus did not get 100% participation. Paul said, for Demas hath forsaken me. Love this present world. He just, he got caught up in the, in, the, in the trappings of the world and materialism and he just didn't take the journey with me. Not everyone is worthy of ongoing investment in discipleship. 
I think there are some people you, you should not spend a lot of time with. Because uh, the Bible says, the things that you've heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to. Okay, they have to exercise some element of faith and faithfulness or stop working with them. Wait for them to move your way. You've got to move with the movers. You don't want to just keep beating a dead horse, someone who is not. And there are people who will sap your time. I think they're satanically infused to just, and you have to evaluate, is this a divine opportunity or is this a this is demonic detraction? <laughs> is this just taking me off my, off my time, eating up another of my 168 hours of this week? Or is this what I'm supposed to be doing with that? Now, all of us have 168 hours. How you use yours, how I use mine, and I've wasted a lot of time in my 168 hours. But I don't want to waste, I, like, I don't feel like discipling people is a waste of time unless they're not moving. Okay, and sometimes you'll find that to be the case. So years ago, whenever I was doing these discipleship lessons with Linda and, and then we trained our people, I found that God began to work in their hearts. And, and, and some folks, they did, they did the whole lessons and they, and they still fell off the wagon. But I found a common thread with people that were discipled. And that is many of them caught on and stayed on. They got grounded. They got ground in those early stages. Because a baby needs, when a mother has a baby, God gives that mother in her milk, uh, uh, the first milk, even if a lady's not going to nurse a baby long term, every doctor with any wisdom wants the baby to get the early milk of the mother. They, I think they call it colostrum. And in that colostrum is everything that baby, there's, not, there's no way a man uh, our scientists can manufacture what that milk can have for that baby because it, it fights off bacteria, fights off viruses. Now they've come from a protected womb to a, to a wild world that has all kinds of germs and diseases. And if that child can get that early colostrum and can have the attention of its mother in those early days, they will survive. Now the devil is a master at infant fatality. Okay? It's, it's interesting. Pharaoh... He wanted to kill the little boys. Herod wants to kill the little boys. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, those, those are great representations of satanic. That's why abortion, it's almost crazy how fiercely people fight to kill a baby. It just, it's like they, they, they fight fiercely for the right to kill an infant. It's just satanic. But you know, the truth of the matter is, when someone gets saved... Satan is going to fight fiercely to kill that baby, to stifle it, to get it sick, to get it dwarfed, to get it to the place where it does not continue to grow and mature. So someone's got to fight on the other side of that with the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be me and that's going to be you. And this program is not a solution, not a solution for disciples. It's just an option. It's just a slingshot I use you don't have to use the same slingshot. You don't even have to have a book. You can just have your Bible and you, okay? But several years ago, I just, I felt like after I went through those discipleships with, with the people at our church in First Baptist of, of Long Beach, and we, passed, we discipled about 700 Spanish people, about 760 uh, English-speaking people. And every, every week of my life, I would sit down with new believers and help them through the first four lessons of discipleship. When I came to First Baptist Church of Hammond, 
They didn't have anything, and so we sat down, and me with four other men, and began to work on a plan, because now I had done it enough times, that, and I'd seen the fallacies and the, and the challenges, and maybe the benefits of some of these, that I just put together a program that, that pastor's allowing me to share it with you. I think anybody who's here, pastor, all the pastors, he's giving you a set of them. I want you to look, if you would, please, on the back of them, and this is uh, it's called Foundations of the Faith, but level one, level two, level three. And I'll just tell you what I do, and so it, it may not work for you. We'll take time for questions in a few moments. But as the pastor, I tried to disciple every new believer in a classroom setting if I could. Now, you don't have to have that. You don't have to do it in a classroom setting. But as the pastor, it helped me to try to get every new believer to a room at the church, I usually would do it Sunday night before the evening service because I like to get them back for the Sunday night service. Some folks would just come to discipleship and go home, okay? But if I could, I'd like to come to discipleship uh, the hour before the evening service. If we have service at 6, have it at, at 5, or if have it at 5, have it at 4, and take 45 minutes to, to go through one of those lessons. And I did it in the classroom setting. I don't stand up. I sit down, and I just teach them, go through the lesson. But during that time, I register them as, as, as this, and some of them will come one lesson, I never see them again. Uh, if I start with 10 people, I'll probably end the four, less, the four weeks with six people. Okay, it, it's a fight. It's a fight, and I understand that. I'm not going to take the journey with me. But I sit down with them, and I try to learn their names, their temperaments, and their uh, acumen. What, can they read well? Can they not read well? These are, these are things that are kind of, when I wrote them, I was thinking about a guy who lives in East Chicago, Indiana. He's a plumber. He only finished the eighth grade. And, uh, and so I got to get it simple for him. Okay, I, I got to get it simple where I ask a question and give an answer. If you'll find that there's nothing earth-shattering about these things, okay? There's not, you could tell I'm, I'm a dumb bunny when I wrote them, okay? I just, just kind of just keeping it simple uh, there's a lot more things we can learn about the things of God, and I hope they will learn it, but I'm, I'm helping them in the early stages of their Christianity. So what I do is I just uh, I encourage new believers. Now, in, in Long Beach, California, we normally had new believers on a regular basis. Sometimes I would have one person sitting in front of me on the Sunday afternoon, and there have been times I've had 20 people who start, and I try to push them to come, especially when I start understanding salvation. Every time I had that, that Sunday morning, I say, tonight, I'm, we're starting level, you can come anytime, but tonight's the best time to come. We're going to be starting on book number one, understanding salvation. I'd like to encourage you to come. Well, that's my first group, and I just, I would sit with them, and I, and, and I'll just go through the lesson with them. In that time, I am going to insist they learn two verses, three parts to this particular program. And that is we, the lesson we go through while I'm sitting with them on that Sunday. The second thing is there's a quiz at the back, and I insist they learn and write down the quiz. I say, you see those ugly blanks? Do something about it. Okay, fill them in between now and next week. Everything you need to know is in this booklet in the Bible that you have. Fill them in next week. And then there are four verses, four options. If you can learn all four of them, that would be great. But you have to learn at least two between now and next week, and so we'll keep going on this. So we sit down with them, we go through through that. But I go through the lesson with them, and, um, and, then, we, uh, and, and, and then after that, the lesson's over, then we finish, and they'll go on to church, and I'll go on to the service as well. But during that time, I'm learning a little bit about their strengths, their weaknesses, and I'm thinking, who could take them through the next level? 
Because level two and three is not done in a classroom setting. It can be, but it's not done in a classroom setting. I'm thinking about who's going to help them. Because discipleship lessons are not about a lesson. They're not about a program. They're not about a book or a pamphlet. There's one Christian sharing the life of Christ with another Christian. Okay, most all of us can point back to the person who helped us the most early on. Who comes to your mind? Someone raise your hand. Tell me the name of the person that helped you. Yes, sir. Your grandmother. Okay, good. Somebody else? Who helped you early on? Who was the, the person that helped you grow in the Lord early on? Someone else raise your hand. Yes, sir. Your pastor did. Brother Jason helped Peter. Peter's been saved four years, and pastor's been the one who's helped him walk him through things. Good. Who else comes to your mind? Yes, sir, brother. My pastor. Your pastor, and he's the one who helped you. Kevin? Yeah, your Sunday school teacher. Somebody came along and helped you. And you want to be that somebody to somebody else. And that's that's passing it on situation. So when I'm when I'm going through this, I, I'm learning each of their names. I usually start off on the sun on a Sunday, I'll say, Okay, we're glad you're here. Thank you for and now you gotta pack every lesson with praise. Because remember you got a you got a you got a um, a baby murderer on the other side of this thing. Okay? You got their mom. It's, how many times have you seen someone get saved and then they put them on midnights on Saturday night? Now they can't come to church. Or they get saved and they're, they're overactive. Jehovah Witness aunt started getting excited and wants them to go to the kingdom hall. You know, or they get saved and then, you know, it's just something happens. They get fired or something happens at work and it's like, oh, you're not going to believe this. I've never been sick in the day of my life. I've been sick the last year. And you're like, oh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> just what happens? You have that. So I've got, a, I've got a baby killed on the other side, so I'm going to have to fight, but I'm going to have to praise them. Hey, listen, thank you for taking this class. You don't have to be here, but I'm telling you, we're glad you're here. And I'm so appreciative. I say that probably two or three times in every, every lesson that I do with somebody. Just let them know. Usually they'll say, well, thank you for taking your time. I say, oh, no, this is huge. This is a big thing. It shows that you care about the Lord. You're trying to grow spiritually. And I appreciate the fact that you learned your verses and you're, you're taking this seriously. And I don't want to waste my time and you're not wasting my time because you're participating with me. And I want to thank you for doing that. All that. Sometimes you get what you praise for, you know. It's maybe psychological. But I think it is very important Amen. to let them know. Then I'm thinking, okay, uh, this person's a good reader. This person, like I say, who would like to read? Boy, boy hand up. Okay, well, good. That's great. And sometimes I'll say, if there's anybody who doesn't really want to read, if you'll just, you'll let me know. It's not, you someone going to do that's fine. But most people will do it if you ask them to do it. And you'll have to praise them every time you hear them read. And I have discipled now hundreds and hundreds of people through the first four lessons of this in a classroom setting. And sometimes you have people that will just, they'll struggle through it. They won't know how to say annihilation or they won't know how to say creation or, you know, there's just, or propitiation or whatever. And they'll just go, they'll say, that's okay, that's a hard word. We don't use that very much. Good job. And uh, go through it with them. Encourage them. Keep it, keep it going. First thing I do is I just say, all right, we're going to have a word of prayer in a moment. Before we pray, I want everybody to just say your first and last name. Would you start with you, Vern? Tell us your first and last name. Vern, we're so glad you're here today. John, really glad you're here. James, thanks for being here today. Okay. And I'm having you say the name. Now, I also have written their names down, or I have whoever registered the class, if I do it, or I had someone. Now I have their names in front of me so I can call their name out. By the way, helping people with their names, it just makes you, you just, they make, it means you're important to them. And uh, they're important to you. So I've done that. And then I'm gonna, each time I call them, I'm going to call their name out. And I'm learning their name. 
And I've written their name down here. My name is John Wilkerson. Let's pray together. We'll ask the Lord to help us. And now I have a word of prayer. When we finish praying, I'll say, get your books open and get your Bible. We usually go to thrift stores. I have some people who go to thrift stores to find Bibles, extra Bibles in the King James Bible and things of that nature. We'll go with the Bibles. I'll have a stack of them. They're used ones if people don't have it. We have a bookstore. And sometimes people will go buy their own bookstore and, and their own book and Bible but uh, it's, it, uh, th- that, that kind of helps us. So then I'll just go through each of the lessons together. We'll do it together in the class. And I'll, I'll maybe go through one just real quick with you if it's okay. Um, and, and, then, uh, and then every, every week, so the next week, when you come back, we have the same class, same time, same channel, just a different, different week. So I need you to come back next week, and let's work at this. And don't let anything discourage you from doing it. And then they go off to church, and then I'll go to church, and that's kind of what we do that now. I want to keep their phone number. When I register in class, I've got their phone number. And sometime that week, either myself or one of our workers, and I have, a, I have another man who helps me, another family, a man and wife who proctored the class with me. I think it's helped me all through my, my time. I try to get one person just to connect with them. And I'll have them call them and say, hey, we really enjoyed having you in class. I hope you'll be back next week. Or send them a text, just a little bit of encouragement. Once again, I got a baby killer on the other side. I got someone trying to stifle things, and so I have to say, all right, God, now pray for them, and I'm looking forward to seeing them next week. So we go through these four lessons. After that, I give them, uh, I had the, these, and I, and I assign them to somebody else. Now, not everyone will go, go to level two, but every week I will say, I can't wait till one day you can help someone else through these simple truths. And some are like, no, I can do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't even find Genesis. I know, but there'll be somebody else who is getting saved in a few months, that you'll be ahead of them and you'll help them. And that's why I'm going to be hard on you. I want to make sure you learn your verses because if, you're, if I'm lazy with you, then you'll be even more lazy with your, your disciple. I've, I've got to get you to do this because I want one day you to help somebody else. And so we just kind of get that, put those seeds into their mind. And then when they finish, then I'm going to connect them. If I see a lady who likes sewing, then I'm thinking, oh, I've got to get her made with Sue Favor because Sue's a real seamstress. She could probably be a good. I wonder if Sue's discipling someone. And I'll go to Sue and say, Sue, this girl just finished discipleship, four levels. She said all of her verses. She's really diligent. I think you'll find a real blessing to that. And if she's shown some faithfulness, Sue, would you help her through that? And then I, I, they can do it anytime. They can do it at her house, their house. They can do it at a restaurant. They can do it at a, uh, your area, Tim, Tim, Tim Horton, my area, Dunkin' Donut, or wherever. They can, they can find a place where they can disciple someone. Or at the church. Sometimes they'll do it at the same time they've been coming. And sometimes Wednesday night, we have them do it. It's not my favorite time, but Wednesday night sometimes works because if they have children, they can put their children in the nursery while they're being discipled. And I would prefer, uh, you know, I love to have everybody in the service on Wednesday night, but if I have someone who's discipling someone one-on-one, answering their questions, helping them through the early days, I would much rather have them work on that while we're doing the Bible study than just insist everybody's in the auditorium. That's just my, that's my, my perspective on that because I, a lot of things going on one-on-one, they can ask questions and uh, they, can, they can interact with them. So uh, that's, that's the plan there. Then I, then I only give our disciples, I give these for free. We raise money every, every few months. We'll take a Wednesday night offering and we'll get enough money to buy the next set that we'll give to our new believers. Now there, we have them for sale in the bookstore, but... Uh, if someone's in the program, I will give them a book for their next lesson, but I give them only two at a time. 
they have to come back so we can find out where are they at. And then I log and say, okay, you know, junior here is finished lesson level two, books one and two. Now come back and get three and four. We'll give you three and four. Come back to get that. Because sometimes they'll fall off the wagon. They'll move away. They'll, 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 they'll ghost them on their phone and won't even answer their questions or whatever. That happens. It's, it's difficult. But we're once again, we're in this thing to just keep working with them. So I give them one. Now, you can see that it does have to have a little oversight and a little organization. Okay? And if you don't work at discipleship, it will stop working. Okay? It's not going to be done just because you want it done. Okay? You have to do it. And I've seen that. I've seen that. If I just have to keep the pedal to the metal. And you have to praise. Now, another thing that we do in this particular program, and the reason I have it in three levels, and the reason we wrote it this way, the first level is just four lessons. Because I'm finding out, are they faithful enough? Are they, are they trustworthy enough to keep going? Okay? And I can handle the fact that they can't keep going. Or I can work and say, oh, you missed lesson two. I'm going to call them. Hey, we're doing lesson two again. Can you come? Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. Uh, sometimes I work it. So I can figure that out right here. But uh, if I just give it to everyone, say, oh, he got saved here, disciple him. Well, that person will get very discouraged if they're not truly saved. Once again, it's really miserable to disciple someone who's not really saved, okay? They don't have the Holy Spirit of God inside their heart. Sometimes that's the case. Someone prayed a prayer with somebody, but they didn't get saved, and they have no interest in growing because they're not alive yet, okay? They haven't been born, okay? Other times, uh, they're just, they don't have character. They just don't have the character to, to do it. They haven't done anything. But usually get them through four lessons. And then at the conclusion of this, each of the lessons, we do a certificate. Now, once again, sometimes when I think about a certificate, I don't really care about certificates, but I kind of do. If you go to my office, I have several degrees hung up there because I guess I do care about certificates. And I give a certificate on a Sunday morning, uh, whenever they finish. If they finish this week, then I'll give them the, the certificate the next week. Okay? We do it a little different. Forgive me. This is the way I did it in Long Beach. At our church now, we do it every four weeks. We do, we do publicly. Anyone finishes in that four-week period of time, we have them stand up on Sunday morning, and we acknowledge them. We tell them, these folks, they have gone through four lessons. They have said two verses each. They have worked hard. We're so proud of them. You'd be amazed and see. They just got saved a few months ago, a few weeks ago. But, man, they are growing. And they're doing so great. Today, we want to present each of them with a certificate. Now, in a smaller setting, um, we don't have everybody come up on the platform. But in a smaller <laughs> setting, that may be very justifiable to do that. But at least I would do is have them stand where they are, show the certificate, and take it back to them, have someone take it back and shake their hand and give it to them in the auditorium. Some people bring their mom because they're getting a certificate. They'll bring their dad. They'll bring their uncle. They'll bring their, their kids. Uh, they'll come just on that day, and then you have more ears to hear the gospel of Christ. And they're motivated. And when I give a certificate, I've got people all, I can see, I can read their mind. They're like, man, I need to get in that program. <laughs> I need to do that, you know. Goodness. I did two lessons. I didn't finish three and four. I got to get that done, you know. And it does have some set of incentive there. Withhold not good for whom it is to do, and it's in the power of your hand to do it. And to me, a little, a little piece of paper with a certificate and their name, and I sign those, every one of those. I signed them with my, with my John Hancock and try to get them. You're Canadian. You have no idea what I just said. <laughs> uh, yeah, we probably did that against your, your, your mother country there, didn't we? So, but anyway, 
I'll sign that. I'll sign that. Uh, I just now lost the whole audience right now. Uh-oh, Brother Buker's out of here. Uh, but, uh, Linda, if, I don't know if I have a note for him, but if I, would you go just make sure I get that to him real quickly? If you would, please. Oh, he is? For sure? He's going to come back? Okay, good. Okay, I'm glad he wasn't mad. <laughs> Nonetheless, I, I signed those, and I give it to him publicly. And what it does, it kind of gives him a little of incentive to finish, and it's a level. So when they finish level one, we do the same thing. Level two, whenever they finish, we just publicly recognize them. And I find that that does generate interest in others, and it commends them for a hard job. They, they've been fighting the devil, the world, the flesh, the family to get that way. And so to do something over that. And sometimes you think, okay, oh, yeah, a certificate. No, no, no. It's, it ought to be a good day. For you, because now you're able to, someone's accomplished something, and they need to be encouraged. So just a couple things that are built in on that situation. I kind of, and, and there's many good ways to disciple. I kind of like the pamphlet because it gives you a sense of accomplishment every time. This is a more expensive way to do it, okay? It, I mean, it would take you $20 if, uh, to, buy, to buy each of those, those things here, but... The truth of the matter is, a lot of folks, if you give someone a new book, a book, a lot of people have never read a book in their whole life. And when you plop down an $8 book in front of them, they're like, ooh, how many pages? No. I'm not, they're already overwhelmed with that. But whenever you have a pamphlet, you're just saying, we're going to finish this today. <laughs> then it kind of gives them a sense of accomplishment. Hey, we're almost done with lesson one. Next week, this time, we'll be done with lesson one. Then we'll go to number two. Look at this. See on the back there? We're going to be doing that one next. And you're doing great. That's great. And it gives you a chance to go, go through the, uh, the lesson there. Okay, quickly, any questions about that? Anybody have any questions or some things that can maybe be helpful? Yes, sir, Brother Larry? If I were to order some of these from you today, can you give them any thought? Or is there a yeah. discount on them? Or? You know, I don't, I wish I knew that, that, that thing, that question. I don't know it. Usually when I've talked about that, we're, we, we might need to make them a little bit cheaper uh, than we make them, but they're telling me this it costs just about what we're what we're selling them for. Maybe it's a tick more to do that is what it is right now. Unless I could find a cheap way to do it, I don't know. I don't know about that, but Larry. But here's what I found out. Okay, if if it takes me twenty dollars to get a new believer through twenty lessons, there there's some things they're going to learn about Jesus. And probably by the time we get the financial principles there and you teach about tithing and giving and that kind of thing, they'll probably put that $20 back in there uh, a lot faster if they get to know the Lord and see the permits. Yes, sir. Uh, $20 is going to be about $12 worth to be mailed to Canada. Really? So the expense of mailing yeah. is the biggest thing. You know, maybe we'll... Anybody we, in Canada that can print them. Maybe. That may be something we can do. Yeah. yeah. I'd be glad to maybe put that, give a PDF of all of it. I've done that before. I'd be glad to try to help it. I, don't, I really don't, I don't, I want to help, help people get the, get the information if it's helpful to you. Because that, it would be probably, shipping is probably a real issue, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe something we can look into and see. I'd be glad to help with that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anybody else have a question on, on those things? Uh-huh. Good question. Yeah, that's a great question. No, anytime they want to come in, we let them come in. I'll tell them every time, every week, every time you come to a service at First Baptist Hammond, you can do discipleship. 
9.45 in my office, uh, 5 o'clock before the evening service, and then uh, we, have, we have it on 7 o'clock. So anytime we make an announcement, people can go and be discipled. But we have a larger than normal than normal church. When I was in Long Beach, I just did it one time a week, and that was on 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Um, Linda, you, why don't you just share just a quick testimony. She's in the class. When she's not discipling someone personally, you're in, you're in the class. Maybe there's some perspective you might have that you might help them with. Well, I know as a lady, I get to um, go with the uh, ladies. So he'll connect me with some certain ladies that will um, just need to be gently brought along. And spending that time with them, sometimes we go through the book, but honestly, sometimes it ends up in a question like, this is what I'm going through right now. How, how can you help me? I just question. And, you know, eight weeks ends up being 12 weeks in a, in a certain level. Uh, it allows me to get to know them uh, individu individually. Um, but really, a lot of growth happens. I, I know this thought, you could write the teaching before me, and I've been through it many times, but every time I learn something. Personally, it just helps me having the scripture ground through my heart has helped me to teach it, but to live it. Yeah, I think it's great. And remember, discipleship is not a book, it's not a program. It's one Christian sharing the life of Christ with another Christian. It's just one Christian sharing the life of Christ with another Christian. And um, certainly, I think that's a simple thing. And and Linda, Linda has been used of the Lord so many times to help girls, especially through that. And, and but you know, sometimes they'll just they're supposed to be there and they don't show up. It just it just happens, and you got to just kind of remember babies. They throw up on you. They throw temper tantrums. They you know they they have issues. You know, and I, and every baby Christian will have that. I have setbacks. I'll get sick uh, spiritually, so and just uh, have all kinds of challenges. Yes, sir. For uh, levels two and three, you talked about one-on-one -on -one discipleship. Uh, have you seen anybody try one-on-three, like a group of maybe three or four guys? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's fine. I think it can be done. Um, yeah, I, it just depends on the, on the thing. You know, some couples, you can disciple them effectively together. Some couples cannot, Okay. What will happen, and you'll find it, they, they, won't, they won't get mad at you or anything. Well, here's what happened. You, the guy's working all day. He's not very good at reading. He doesn't memorize his verses. The girl's been given a little more time. Maybe she has more. And you go, and you go through one lesson, and you do the verses, and you come back together, and he doesn't have both of his verses done. She's, she's whittling them off like it's, like, it, like it's her phone number. Okay? And, and uh, then next time you call, you call him and say, yeah, we're not going to be able to come this week. Not going to be able to do it this week. And the reason it is is because the man is not going to go there and get embarrassed by, by what his wife is doing that he's not doing. He's not going to do it. He's not going to tell you that. So I find usually it's best. It depends on the, on the system. But uh, if, if you can find the man with the man, even if you go the same night and the guy talks to the guy and the girl talks to the girl and she's at the kitchen table and he's in the living room going over that. I think it usually is more effective that way. And he will answer, he'll ask questions he would not ask in front of his wife. And sometimes you, you, you once again, since it's Christ, one Christian sharing the life of Christ with another Christian, it's, it's, it's not about the book. If I don't, if it takes me two weeks to go through one book, occasionally, that's okay. Now I will tell you this, I'll give you this warning. You'll get some people who are just, they're brainiacs, you know, and they'll break this down into five weeks, you know, and then they'll, they'll just, they'll give extra verses and they'll go through that. And what will happen, the guy that they're discipling, unless they're really a brainiac too, like, like, this guy's wearing me out, you know, I can't, I can't. 
we're never going to get done with this. So I think you want to teach your people to go through it as best you can, one week at a time. And then occasionally you might have two if they come. And I, had, I remember one time in my early days discipling my friend Eddie, and he said, I don't have my verses, but I'm about ready to kill my wife. I tell you what, I'm about ready to kill her. I said, I said Eddie, don't, don't kill LaDonna. It's okay. It's okay. She, you know, no, oh, I'll tell you, we got uh, this stupid. I, I, I didn't memorize nothing. I don't know. I said, it's okay, Eddie. <laughs> Let's talk about your marriage a little bit. <laughs> Let's work on that, you know. And, you know, the truth of the matter is we had a good discipleship lesson. It just wasn't with the book, you know. <laughs> and the next week we got on it again and it kept on going. But, you know, that's just, that's just real life. That's real life ministry, one-on-one, working with each other, okay? Yes, sir, Alex? Well, there's several ways in which some folks have done this. And some folks have taken it and on a Wednesday night or they promote it and said, look, on Saturday morning or before church on Wednesday night, anybody who would want to learn these, we're going to go through them publicly, uh, the first four lessons, and maybe do the first four lessons of level two or whatever. And you're doing that. So you're getting them. From, and then if, once again, if, if you get 20 people to show up your first lesson, you're probably going to have 15 your second time. Okay, it's just it's just the way it is. I, I wish it were it were it was a different story for me. Maybe you'll have, you know, fifteen your first time and thirty-five your second. I don't know. But it doesn't normally work that way for me. But whoever we have, now I have twelve people who have gone through it and they've watched me go through it with them and now they're gonna go through it with somebody else. So that's kind of what some folks have done. And then they've they've spent they've pl- laid this this, the uh, groundwork with 15, 10 uh, disciples, and now they've taught everybody those lessons, like on a Wednesday night or something of that nature. And then from that, you get your, your disciples who can do it and, um, and, and work with that. So that may be an idea that would help. Okay? Anybody else quickly? Okay. All right. Um, let me do this. Let's go to our baptism one. Would that be all right with you? So it's a, we've got our food coming in, so we just be a. Okay. All right, let's go to a baptism. You got the baptism one? And uh, the salvation, we kind of go through that one. Let me just show you a quick one how we do baptism. And just last week, I, uh, I had a guy who got saved the week before. His name is Jeff Gilmott. And Jeff uh, came. Someone left a gospel track on his door. He took a while. Finally, he came, parked in our parking lot one Sunday, didn't get out of his car, went back home. Next week, he came, showed up in the service. People seated him. At the end of the time, he raised his hand. He wasn't saved, came forward. God, uh, God saved him, and he said, I, I got him to come back the next night, and the next, sir, he went to my house, ate lunch with us, got to know him a little bit better, and then I contacted him several times, said, hey, listen, would you come to next week's lesson? It was on baptism. He came last week. He got baptized last week as well, and rejoiced with that situation, but I went through this lesson with him and about uh, five other men and two ladies that came last week, so it wasn't a huge group but probably about seven people and my wife. I don't, Linda, were you in that lesson last week? You were. So we were there. So let me just quickly go through. You got your, you got your baptism one there? All right, here we go. Real quickly, we just go through it. If I were, if I were teaching the class today, I would say, okay, now, uh, let's see. Jason, would you open this up and you read that first paragraph, would you please? In practical terms.
baptism is not necessary for salvation, it is important to establish a pattern of obedience to God by being baptized according to Scripture. Baptism is necessary for one to please Jesus Christ. Okay, let me tell you the first thing that about baptism you need to understand loud and clear is you don't have to get baptized to go to heaven. Eternal life is purchased solely by what God does for you, serial about what you do for God. But baptism is very important to one person in particular, and that's God. He is so glad that he accepted your sin and you accepted his son that he wants you to do something to identify with him. And so it's works that determines our eternal rewards, but it's faith that determines our eternal destiny. So you don't have to get baptized. Even the thief on the cross is a great example of that. Do you think they pulled him off the cross to get baptized before he died? Where is he today according to Jesus? He's in heaven. You don't have to get baptized. That's the first thing you understand about baptism. But it is important that we do it to please the Lord. Look at the next little paragraph. And, and Brother Josh, would you mind reading that, through, though Jesus did not? Do you have yours with you? No? Okay. Who else has it? Who, who has that can read it for us? Okay. Brother Dan? Though Jesus did not need salvation from sin, he did set the example for the believer by submitting to baptism. Here are three reasons why Jesus set this example. Excellent job, Dan. I appreciate that. Number one, let's look at it. Let's read it together. Everyone out loud, ready? It's the right and proper thing to do. Why did Jesus get baptized? He didn't have any sin. He didn't need to be saved. Why do you think Jesus got baptized? Yeah, he was an example for us. You know, he got into a dirty river Jordan that a guy in the Old Testament named and balked at. That's the same river he got into. He got into that river as an example. So when you and I would be asked to do it, we would do it. I think that's obvious. But really, let's all take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 3. Can we turn there real quickly? Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 13, 14, 15. Matthew chapter 3, please take your time. I know that some of you are trying to find that for the first time. Don't worry about it. We can help you. That's what I say. I say, we'll help you. And, and Linda gets up. She goes, help someone over here. I help someone over here. I walk around. Let me help find that. That's, that's a hard book to find. Let's find it real quickly. Verse, here's, here's chapter 6. Back up a couple chapters. You'll find 3. Very good. All right, Matthew chapter 3. Now we're looking at verse number 13, 14, 15. This is one of three places in the Bible the baptism of Jesus found. Let's look at it real quickly. Who could read verse 13 and 14 for me? Who's got that? Okay, right there. Go right ahead. Very good. So here's what happened. Jesus is Jesus, his, his John the Baptist, his, his cousin, they, 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 his mother Mary and, and, and John's mother Elizabeth were related. They were two different tribes, Levi and Judah, but they were related. And uh, they had babies six months. John was older. And John had been preparing people to believe and receive the Messiah. And anyone who believed that would get baptized. That's why they call him John the Baptist. And so when he, when, when he was baptizing people, one day Jesus got in that line of people to get baptized. And when they came down to John, he, Jesus said, I want you to baptize you. John said, I'm not going to baptize you. The Bible word is forbade. He argued with him. He said, no, I'm not going to baptize you. And Jesus said, no, you need to baptize me. It, it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. He said, John, it's the right thing to do. The Father wants it done. 
And that's all that John needed to hear. He said, oh, okay. Then he baptized him. And so baptism is the right thing to do. And that's why, Jesus, I'm going to go faster because I'm going to get bogged down if I don't. Let me continue if I can, please. Look at the little paragraph underneath that. And Pastor uh, Harness Jr., would you mind reading that little paragraph Jesus explained to John? Very good. And the reason you ought to get baptized after you get saved is because it's right. And anything is settled, settled right. It's got to be settled right with God. And God says it's the right thing to do. And we read that whole passage. It will say that whenever Jesus got baptized, God the Father said, this is my beloved son, and I'm pleased with him. And when you get baptized, you'll find you might be nervous prior to it. After you get baptized, uh, you'll be glad you did because you'll feel the confirmation of your Heavenly Father saying, that's good. You did a good job. That's what I like. You did what I wanted you to do. All right, look at the next one, if you would, please. It marked a change of life and purpose. We're not going to read that verse. We're going to look at it across the page. But look, if you would, please, the statement underneath there. Brother Harrison, would you mind reading the baptism of Jesus? <clears throat> baptism of Jesus Christ marked a change in his life from that of being a carpenter to preparing to bear very good so it marked a, why did jesus what did he do as an occupation before he went to the cross do you remember Carpet. is that why he came to the earth so he could see so he could make tables and chairs and hang doors and frame houses is that why he came to work with wood no he came to the earth to die on the cross but when he was 30 years old, after his baptism, I don't think he probably hung another door, made another table or chairs. He didn't hang another cabinet. He came, to, he, he, now his focus was to do what he came to the earth to do. He changed that. You know, when you get saved and you get baptized, it doesn't mean you quit your job. But it does mean your mindset, I now I'm trying to do what God put me on the planet to do. I got to find out what he wants me to do and then go that direction. And when you get baptized, you're automatically considering someone else. You're buried with Jesus. Mm -hmm. You're considering someone else now. When I was single, I just did what I wanted. I wanted to go to basketball. I played basketball with my friends. I did, if I came home at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, I didn't tell anybody. I just, can't, I just did it because I live by myself. But you know when I got married, now everything I did, if I wanted to spend money before I got married, I just did what I did to do. But now that I'm going to spend money, if I want to spend large money, I'm going to say, hey, I better check with Linda about that. I want to see if that's going to affect her or... If I come home late, I'm going to tell her. I'm going to come home late. Why? Because now I'm thinking for two, not just for one. And after baptism, you're saying, okay, now I'm with Jesus. I need to be thinking about what's not just what I want, but what's best for my God because of what he did for me. It's a, it's a time, it's a symbol of that. Look at the next page, if you would, please. And it, mar it, it, it symbolizes the coming death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Look at it, if you would, please. And let's read out loud together. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. If you'll look at line number three where it says with him, that'd be a good place to underline because that's what baptism is. You're saying you're with Jesus. And then walk in newness of life now after i'm baptized and i i make that commitment to the lord and i make public my commitment i'm saying i want to walk a different way i want to please the lord with my life look if you would please the next uh, statement it pictures the 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 gospel in three parts read it with me the death of jesus the burial of jesus and 
Baptism is my outward belief in the gospel of Christ. Why should I get baptized? There's two reasons. Number one, obedience. New believers are commanded to follow their faith with baptism. So the first reason I get baptized is because God asked me to, and I'm obeying him. When there was a group of people who got saved and they asked Peter, what should we do? He told them in Acts chapter 10, verse 48. Let's read that together. Can we please? Or who could read that for me? Acts 10, verse number 48. That's right there in the book there. Who's got that? Brother, Brother Turner, do you have that? Yes, sir. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Let's read it with him together. Ready? And he? Did he suggest they get baptized? No. You think, oh, this, if you get around to it, do that? No. He, he made a command. Okay. Now, every once in a while, I'll see people who, after they get saved, and I'll say, you get baptized yet? Going, oh, I'm praying about it. You know, if I told my son, listen, take the garbage out, son, and uh, take care of it, he goes, Dad, I'll, I'll be praying about that. <laughs> you, think, you think I'll appreciate his spiritual aptitude? No, I don't need to pray about it. What do I need him to do? Take the garbage out. I'm his dad. I asked him to do something. I want him to obey. We don't need to pray about things that God told us to do. And uh, that might be a spiritual gobbledygook, but it doesn't work with God. He wants obedience. We get, we get baptized because God asks us to. Look at the next page, if we can, please. It's number two. The second reason we get baptized is identification. Baptism is a public statement that we are not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Read the verse with me, Colossians 2.12. Everyone, buried what two words might we want to underline there? With Him, because we're with Him. And then we'll look up the verse. We won't do it for sake of time now, but Romans chapter 10, verse 11. Whosoever believeth on Him should not be ashamed. And occasionally I've, I've told them stories about people that I've led to Christ and they didn't get, they didn't get baptized. They were going to get their hair wet and mascara is going to run and it's just not, it's going to be embarrassing. Stand from, I said, you know, oftentimes we'll tell them, Listen, if you're really saved, you don't want to be embarrassed by Jesus. If he was not embarrassed to be beaten, bludgeoned, naked, hung between heaven and hell, between uh, on the cross for your sin, do you think you want to stand before him one day and say, I was a little embarrassed to get underwater? God picks something very simple. In the first century or the 21st century, anyone can go underwater momentarily. You know, if you're tall, you're short. If you're rich, you're poor. If you're a man, you're a woman. If you're older or you're younger, anyone can go underwater momentarily and come back up. God picks something. Water's free. It's from the Lord. And something anyone can do. If you had to have a, if you had to go on a mountain and shout, I'm saved. Well, that some crippled people couldn't do that, but crippled people can get baptized. Older people couldn't do that. Or if you had to put your name in the paper, well, not everybody could do that. Because there's not in every civilization, civilization a newspaper. But God picks something anyone can do in Africa, in Asia, Australia, Americas. Anyone can go underwater momentarily. God picks something simple we can all do. All right, the last thing we're going to go through real quick. And, of course, the next statement is it's the wedding vows. It's like a wedding ring. Um, and I'll tell a little bit about how when I met Linda. And then I got married to Linda August 12, 1989 in East Bridgewater, Massachusetts. And you weren't there when it happened. But how do you know that happened? You look at my hand. You say, oh. Sometime, someplace, that guy took a vow and he made a vow. And you know, when baptism is when, and you know, Linda likes me to wear my ring. And I really like her to wear her ring. I want everybody to know that that happened to us. And she has taken a vow. And I promised her, she promised me. And God wants the same thing. But his wedding band is whenever you get baptized publicly. That's when you say, I'm not ashamed of my promise. I've accepted it. And God wants that. No one's more excited about you getting baptized than God is. 
after you get saved. He wants that. Well, let's look at the final part here. What is the method and time for baptism? Number one, according to the Bible, only those who have placed their faith in Christ may get baptized. They have to have a proper candidate. You need a proper method and you need a proper authority for baptism. Candidate, someone who's already been saved. Method, in deep water or water that can go underneath. And authority, someone who believes the Bible, the local church. Uh, it has to be a local church authority. It doesn't have to be the pastor necessarily, but it has someone who's an extent. You can't just baptize your friends in your backyard after they get saved. Uh, it, it is something that's done through the local. It doesn't have to be in a church. It could be in a pool. It could be in, a, could be in, a, in the, the ocean. It could be in a river or a creek or in your church. But it needs to be under the authority of a local church. Amen. And so that's what, that's what it teaches there in regards to that. Number two, the Bible example, baptism is by immersion. And then it talks about the Greek word at the top. Number three, baptism is normally done shortly after someone's saved. In the Bible, most people were baptized immediately after salvation. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. You have the verse there. Read it with me if you would, please. And they that gladly received his word were, and the same day were added unto them, how long do these people wait to get baptized? Same day. Same day. Let's look at another one. There's a guy who was, who was taking care of two preachers in a jail cell, and they shared the gospel with him. Here's the testimony, Acts 16, verse 33. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. How long did this guy wait? Same hour. Huh? So it's not something that has to be postponed. It's something you, God can let you do right away after you get saved and do that. Then I usually will take them through Acts chapter 8, verse 26, through the end of the chapter, which is the, which the most clear story of someone getting baptized in the Bible was, the, was Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Give a little background about that, about Philip, how he's one of the deacons, and his, his other friend Stephen got stoned, and so as a result of that, uh, the other deacons, they were coming after them. I think Philip, he had a wife, and we know had four daughters later, maybe at the time. But he left Jerusalem and took his family, or took him, anyway, him, went into the hood. They went into Samaria because they knew the Jewish police would not, would not chase him into that, that community there. So it was all good in the hood. <laughs> he went there, and he went into the hood and knew he was there. And there he was winning people to Christ, discipling people, getting baptized. There was a lot of revival going. In the middle of that, Acts chapter 8, verse 26, God says, I need you to leave this revival here and go out into the <laughs> desert. And, of course, you can read the verses. I have everyone read the verses. Um, I love that passage, and I read that passage because when you get to, to verse 37, if people are using other versions of the Bible, it will leave it out, okay? And Sunday was a classic example of this, okay? Sunday had those five men and two ladies, and, and I heard a guy read a scripture, and I knew it wasn't a King James. So I just like, okay, that's fine. And uh, this is a perfect lesson for this to happen. So <laughs> anyway, we went through it, and he read it, and uh, we all were reading it. And then we said, I said, now this is why we use, among other reasons, the King James Version Bible, because it has all the verses in it. If you don't have a King James Version Bible, you're probably going to have the, you're going to be missing a verse as we go down to this. And the guy's going, ah, oh, come on, man. No, it's my good Bible. I like this Bible. You know, anyway, he, he started reading it. And a matter of fact, we got down there, and it said that, um, the, 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 eunuch, the eunuch said, you know, what, see here's water, water hindered me to be baptized. And, uh, and, then the, and then I said, if you don't have a King James Bible, that, that verse is going to be missing. You're going to go right to the next verse where they make the chariot to stand still. But something happens in verse 37 
that's very important. I didn't point it out to him. It just, just started saying, because he said, if thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. And I said, you know, that's important. When someone, if that verse wasn't in the Bible, if anyone just walked down and said, I want my baby baptized, we'd just baptize the baby. If, 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 if we don't have to ask him any questions. If a guy just says, hey, I want to get baptized, he just said, go get robed up. But we need to ask him a question. What was the question Philip asked here? Yeah, if thou believest. And so in the water this morning, when people get baptized, they're going to ask you, do you believe that Jesus the Christ? Have you personally accepted Christ as your Savior? And you need to believe it here and verbalize. That's how we got saved. And that's what God wants to do when we get baptized, to verbalize that. It's so funny, that guy said, it's not my Bible. <laughs> what in the world? I want to give me a Bible that has all the verses in it. Yeah. This, what is this thing? <laughs> so I'm looking on the house. What is this? Some ESV? Well, I'm going to get, what is it kind you got? KJV? Yeah, let's get that one. <laughs> you know, it's, it was fun. It was kind of fun to see it happen right in front of us there. And Linda and I were, Linda and I were just smiling and chuckling at each other because we could see what was happening there. In the cat. And then I'll say, listen, we're done with the lesson. This week, would you answer the questions on the page there? And then come back, and you learn two of these verses that are here. I have a little cheat sheet I give to them, which has all the verses from all four lessons. When they come to take the first lesson, I have it folded up. Put them say, all of them are here, or you can look up in your Bible. I encourage you to put them on a 3 by 5 card or on your phone and read them throughout the week. Okay, any quick questions on that? Thank you, Pastor. Thanks for the privilege of sharing that. And uh, does anybody want a set of them? You want a set for free? Anybody want a set for free? Nobody? Oh, you do? Okay, good. We'll give it to you. Amen. Thank you, preacher. Well, that was good stuff. Amen. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I think the Lord knew that we were, our, our schedule changed because the food came at the perfect time. Amen? And I think we've got things just about set up back there. Uh, if you'll give us five minutes, we'll get things opened up. And as soon as it's ready to run through the line, you do so. Uh, how many of you have never had uh, Middle Eastern food before? Anybody? never had before. Uh, we, we got food delivered all the way from Jerusalem. 